so supplying superior stewardship. Um, one of the things that we'll talk about in and just so we can lay up our time today, today is really kind of the foundation for the series. When I had initially planned the series out, I thought I would be here next week. Unfortunately, I will lay foundation and we will have a two week break just because of travel to the conference um, that we're doing with uh, Dr. Martin Williams, um, who came and spoke at our Destiny Ford event. But I felt strong enough about what we were doing that I didn't want to miss a time here and to lay foundation for the series that we'll pick up in two weeks. Now, um, when we think about the, the, the title supplying um, superior stewardship, I'm challenging you that Many things when we talk about, we'll talk about supply, we usually talk about God being our source and supply. This one, I'm challenging you that you are the person who brings stewardship to the table. And you're the person who decides how you will care for the resources that God puts in your care. Um not all stewards are not created equal. Some people can take a common resource and care for it in an uncommon way. And then God looks at how they take that common thing and do something uncommon with it. And then he projects from that environment and places them in a new environment that is much larger and much bigger to have more influence by how they took care of a small thing. And so that's why this one is, is very important. So let's just look at the series objectives that we have for this. I have actually five objectives that we wanna talk you through. The first is to illuminate the character, the capability, and the capacity of stewardship that lies inside the believer if truly believed, regarded, and act upon, acted upon. You have the character to be a good steward. And what we'll show you from scripture is that a person who is a steward must be found faithful. But faithful isn't something that heaven just zaps you with. Faithfulness is something that you decide that based on what you believe God to do in your life, that you're going to retain and maintain adherence to duty, attention to detail, follow up and follow through, that your character is one that won't quit when things get difficult, all right? So the character of stewardship is a person that's faithful. And then you have to realize that if you provide the character, God will provide the capability. The apostle Paul told Timothy, the thing that I taught you to do, you teach it to faithful men who will then be able to teach others also. And so I have to, before I look for ability, I look for availability. 
a person who makes themselves available because if you make yourself available, you can grow more capable. All right. So there is a there is an there is the character trait. And then as you develop the character trait, you will develop the capability. You know, sometimes um, as a as a person in situations, um, you know, I think about being the first time homeowner. You know, my wife was uh, more adept in some of these areas than her husband was. You know, um, her dad had done some things that my dad hadn't trained me in. And um, and so sometimes I would get agitated at things that she was like, why are you tripping? You understand that term? Why are you tripping? Like, why are you getting agitated over this thing? Because I felt like I was in situations where I understood the principle of stewardship, which is what I intend to teach. And I understood that I needed to demonstrate to God that I was faithful in something that God had provided me. So anytime I felt like I was in a challenge that I couldn't be as faithful as I wanted to be, I got nervous. Because I wasn't the handyman around the house as some of my brothers in Christ are. Okay. But what I recognized is if I provide the faithfulness that God would add to me the capability that I didn't have and that I had to do the best with what I had and then began to employ others to help me in places that I wasn't, but that God would increase my capability to the thing that he had given me if I would just bring the character to it. Capability is an important part of it. And then the capacity. Once you get to the point where you understand stewardship as a lever, you begin to realize that I can learn to be faithful with something small, and then I can demonstrate to God my readiness for something bigger. And I work to grow my faithfulness. I work to be a good steward on anything, believing as an act of faith to something that I'm asking God to grow me into. Whatever he's called you to do in the future in a big way, he's giving you some small way to demonstrate stewardship today. All right? And so what I don't want to do is mismanage the small thing while I'm standing in faith for the big thing. All right? And so that's one of the key things. Number two on our list of objectives is to elaborate on the principle, the pattern, the power and promise of stewardship. That stewardship is a principle, how we care for stuff, that there's patterns of stewards in scripture that we can learn from, that there's power in stewardship of me demonstrating where I am now and then and showing um, in a small way, what I want to do at a bigger way at a later day. And then there's the promise of the steward that we'll talk some about today. And we'll get there to the promise of stewardship that God gives to the person that's a good steward. And even the promise of the person who is a poor steward 
where they are now. Yep, that you get a promise too. Okay, now let's look at number three. Three is to motivate you to address the internal and external change necessary to fully benefit from your inherent capacity for stewardship. I want to motivate you to make changes so that you can benefit from the capability that you have to be a stewardship, taking natural actions that trigger supernatural outcomes. In stewardship, I take very natural actions um, that'll trigger supernatural outcomes or results. Um, now, why is this important? Because sometimes in this area, the wrong people use the right methods and win. Jesus said it this way, the children of the world in their generation are wiser sometimes than the children of light. And if we're not careful, we'll take the person of Jesus and then ignore the principles of Jesus. We will walk in the love of God, but ignore the laws of God. And so Prince so stewardship is one of those principles. It's one of those laws. And the person who does it gets the benefit of it. And if you're an unbeliever and they're a better steward than you, then they get more benefit than you get. I had a time at work um, where, you know, I was confessing for and, you know, I had all my faith confessions, had all my scriptures on, you know, um, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. And um, when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. And, you know, that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the jest and all of that. Had all them scriptures. And I was believing God. But then the Lord challenged me. And I had a specific executive leader. And um, he was very good at what, he's, what he did. But he was... He was almost a sociopathic kind of person. He was very, very good at the job, but he didn't have any moral compass that I could find. And the Lord said to me, yeah, David, um, spiritually he's dark, but he's diligent. Spiritually, you are light, but you're lazy. He's dark but diligent, and you light but lazy. And so because you're a light but lazy, the dark but diligent going to lead you. Because the Bible says that the hand of the diligent shall bear rule, not the hand of the righteous person. And so that challenged me to begin to make decisions to put systems in place to make sure that I had system and I could systematically follow through to get stuff done. so that God would open doors for me and I would be ready to go through those doors because I wasn't going to embarrass God by getting in the door and not being able to handle it because my character couldn't keep it. Praise the Lord, because he's worthy. Now look at um, objective number four. Number four is to activate the divine partnership potential with God through the identification, activation, and continuation of your role as a steward. 
In other words, stewardship is a partnership between humanity and divinity. God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have stewardship, responsibility, dominion over the earth. So man was designed to have a partnership with God on the planet where God, who is the owner of everything, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, that he, he leverages partnership with humanity to, to, to manage resources that God created. And so you want to have a partnership with God in your stewardship where you identify what resources that God intends for you to partner with him by being a steward of. When you identify what resources that they that are out there, then you want to activate yourself to steward those resources. Okay? And then because stewardship is um is a seed that you must sow over a period of time before you get the benefit of your stewardship you must have the faithfulness to continue as a steward long before you get the benefits of that stewardship all right so i want to identify lord what are the resources and you should have classes of resources, categories of resources. How do you steward over your money? Money, finance, finances is a class of resource that you should be a steward over. Now, let me tell you something that changed my life. This is not in my notes. Um, so put it down and then uh, team, make sure I get it so I can elaborate on it next time. Listen. Um, stewardship is more important financially than just giving. Stewardship is more important than just giving. Pastor, why you say that? Because there was a time that I was faithful to tithe, but I was mismanaging what I was doing with the other 90%, hoping that God would take my tithing and count it for my benefit and override my bad stewardship because I was still paying him his cut off the top. Amen. And there are people who encourage church people who they know are bad stewards to keep giving the check to the church. Your pastor is not one of them people. So I, I'm, I'm, if I get my stewardship right, then the peace that I give to God will always be right. But some people just focus on giving God his cut off the top and then mismanage the rest, not realizing that they are still disqualifying themselves from things that they're giving is entitling them to because they have bad stewardship. I am preaching really good and I haven't even opened a scripture text yet. And so... I tell people, if you can be a good steward over the 100%, 
you'll do what you need to do with the top 10%. But just because you give the top 10% doesn't mean you've been a good steward over the 100%. Just because you can make the payment doesn't mean you can afford it. <laughs> I am preaching really good today. <laughs> now, see, this is a very natural series. All right. Last time I gave you a bunch of last Tuesday, this last Tuesday service when we were meeting, I had a whole bunch of stuff about prophecy and about angels and demons and spirits and Christ and Antichrist. This is not none of that. This is about, you know, budgets and how you manage your time and how you manage your health and all of the things that are real, natural and practical. All right. And so when I say having categories, to me, finance is one category. And in that category, I'm faithful to what I give to the church, but I'm also faithful to how I manage my credit. Because every pastor I know had at some point in time had to use their signature to get stuff done in ministry. And so if my credit is bad, then there it's, the cost of money goes up for me. I can't get <laughs> my insurance premiums are higher because my credit is bad. Certain jobs I can't get. I can't I can't get a clearance, a secret security clearance to have a government position because they check in my credit rating. What they what they're saying is we don't want you to be susceptible to some foreign government putting you on a payroll because you need more money because you can't manage the money you got. And then you will be a spy to your own country because they are helping you financially. I'm really getting down into some detail right off the bat, aren't I? Okay. So finances is a whole category, not just tithes and offerings. And I think that the church has done people a disservice to think that they can just give their way out of poor stewardship. Then we treat the offering bucket like the slot machine at the casino. And so then I've got to look at the categories of how I've spent money. Some of us, you know, um, companies like to get you into making residual payments. That's why they get, come on in January, sign up to go to the gym and they know that you are not necessarily, if the odds are right, that most people are going to keep paying long after the, the thrill of going to the gym is over. And they're not going to even bother you until your debit card change over and it hits the expiration date. They ain't going to ask you that they ain't seen you. But when that month comes, when that card expires, they will call you to get it back on. Whether you've used it or not. Am I talking to somebody? 
Okay, my hands up too, just so we clear about it. But that's a stewardship issue. All right? And so we want to be people that look at that category as a whole, thinking about how much are we sowing? How much are we saving? How much are we spending? How are we overseeing? What's the value of money? Just because I can make the payment doesn't mean I can afford it. Can I afford all the maintenance that goes with it? Can I afford what happens when it breaks down? Is that a good spin? Like, should I be, can I really afford the Corvette when I need a minivan? Just because I can pay for it, right? Because see, if you get the cash wrong in marriage, then the communication soon follows. Am I right about it? You get that cash wrong, it's going to be hard for y'all to have some good conversations at home. Because you messed up one category and then it bleeds over into another category of stewardship. All right. But finances is just one. Talk about your time. How do you spend your time? Your Bible says redeem time because the day is evil. So um, how do you manage and, and practice good leadership in time? Do you just, you know, do you just blow time that God intended for you to apply to some other purpose? Now, in a good schedule is not being a workaholic forever. God planned a seven-day cycle where you work six and rested one because he recognized that rest, relaxation, rejuvenation, recreation, recreation, recreation is a re-energizing you to continue to work effectively. You don't grind yourself down to a nub to where you burn out and can't come out. So even that, some people think being a workaholic is good stewardship, but it's not. Knowing when it's time to take a break is reasonable too. And you didn't sin by taking a vacation. Okay. Recognizing that you've gone far as you can go one way and realizing that you need to do something different. That's not, that's not a sin. You didn't hurt nobody. Okay. Understanding your human life as the thing that you must is your primary stewardship and how to manage your life, manage your body, manage your health, you know, drinking enough water, eating enough of the right foods and doing things that will cause you to have quality and quantity of life are all part of being a good steward. That's a whole different category. Like stewardship over natural resources all the way over to stewardship of human resources. Like as a pastor, I have to think through the spiritual resources of a church. That means, you know, how many people flow in the gift of helps, governments, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What are the spiritual resources of a church? Then what are the organizational resources of the church? What are the boards? What are the different departments of the church to keep it flowing? There's a whole separate stewardship over the legal 
organizational resources than over the spiritual resources. But that's a whole category that I have to manage. And then there's a whole third category of the physical resources of the church, including the building. Is the building, you know, the fact that we went from a 70% efficient heating furnace system to a 96%. That's a big deal. You understand? Like, that means that at one point we were throwing away 30 cents out of every dollar that we were putting out in heat. Now, getting the same offerings, getting the same offerings, but going from 70 to 96% efficient, <laughs> right? That's a 24 cent improvement. Without any more money coming in the door. That's stewardship. Okay. Pastors right now are grappling with the fact that church is one of the most inefficient institutions in society. We have real estate that we use one to two times per week, but got to pay bills for 30 days in a month. So you might, you, cash comes in twice, let, let's say eight times a month. So you got a Sunday and a midweek service. But we paying bills on the other 30 days. That's inefficient. We have, and then church used to be, if you had a church of 500 people, then 400 people came four times a month, and then 100 people came at least once a month. Now you have a church of 500 people, same number of people on the roll, 100 people come all the services, and then the other 400 check in one to two to three services in that month. Now it's the same number of people, but how, how efficient it is for us to use of the resource is completely different. See, stewardship makes you ask questions like that. You got to start looking at the numbers and really beginning to make hard decisions based on the best use of the resources that God's people have given to the church. All right. So we want to identify resources, activate ourselves in being stewards over those resources and then after the thrill and excitement has gone, continue to be a good steward over those resources. And then finally, finally, number five, to accelerate you toward the stewardship God intends in each area of your life. So we started this series because in our leadership conference back in December, we got some statements from one of our leadership 2020 speakers, Bishop C. Milton Granham, and he made certain statements that I want to share with you just as the start of the series, just these are thought starters. He made the statement that the commitment towards being a steward of God is not a feeling or an urgency that most people grow up with. It consists more of a functional decision that needs to be made on a daily basis, and you have to continue to re-up your commitment. Um, I, I'm reminded of my, uh, my cousin 
um, who was in the Navy and um, you sign up for a certain number of years. And then at the end of that period, you re-up if you want to continue going on. And then you had to, at the end of that, you had to swear in for the last six years, you're going to do this. To get another six years, you got to swear in once again. They don't assume that though you were in it, you're going to continue on. They make you stand up in front, you know, get the Bible out with the flag and say, uh, I'm continuing to do this. I'm going to do this for this next, this next period this next tour duty, I'm continuing to do that. Stewardship is that kind of thing. You could have been a good steward all these years in the past and then at a certain point just nut up and say, forget it all. And then if you do that, then it invalidates what you did before. Okay. Second, second statement he says is, it is not a task or a commission that one has to work towards, but instead it is a personal commitment and choice that is validated and renewed on an ongoing basis. You have to, to make a personal commitment that I'm going to be a good steward over this class of resources. And then you have to find ways to measure, to monitor, and to manage the state of whatever that resource is on an ongoing basis. So from that prophetic, from that statement that we got in our leadership conference, I came up with this prophetic impression. I said it on Sunday. Let's look at it again. We say God is challenging you to develop the mindset, the motivations, the maturity, the mannerism, the movements, the measurements, the management, the milestones, momentum, and trademarks of stewardship and leadership. So when I think about this statement, the mindset, I'm giving you the mindset, I'm giving you some of the motivations that you got to be mature about it, the way you act, the movement that you have to make, some of the measurements. Stewardship is full of measurements. Like, I don't know how to be a good steward if I'm not tracking the data. Sometimes people manage resource like it's pickup basketball. You know, pickup basketball just says we out here shooting. We're not even really keeping score. We're not really keeping score track of the time. We're not asking how many fouls you got. We're just out here just shooting hoop. Just, just you know, like it's a, like it's a practice on, on fundamentals. Nothing wrong with that. But when you're in a game, we measuring everything. We have statisticians that all they do is keep track of your stat, your statistics. Okay, so stewardship requires that the measurements be really solid. I was seeing something that uh, one of our a young men said, and he took a quote from one of my messages that, well, God don't care about numbers. He wrote a book called Numbers. Yeah, that's one of my statements from before. Now, why is that important? Because... Sometimes in church, we can get mushy-minded. Like, as long as we just keep doing the same thing, it doesn't matter the outcome. Heaven can't think that way. Jesus said it this way, go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come so that my house may be full. So, 
if he's saying that, he must be keeping track to understand when he's got a full house. The only reason we know that Jesus fed 5,000 supersizing a two-piece fish dinner is because he had people write the numbers down and were counting. And he had them sit down in groups of 50 so he knew when he got to 10 groups, he had 5,000. <laughs> it, it wasn't like somebody was saying, you know, 3,566, 3,567, 4,329. It was one group of 50, two groups of 50, three groups of 50. Do you understand? Like once he had done that and he... <laughs> and he had done that multiples, then he could count 10 groups, right? Then 100 groups, then he knew he was at his 5,000 because he had them grouped. But do you see that that's a stewardship mindset? Most people just say, well, he fed 5,000 plus women and children. I get that. But he had them sit down in groups of 50, and it's easy in groups of 50 to count to 100 than it is to count all individuals all the way from 1 to 5,000. I'm just saying. Now, now, that wasn't no super deep revelation, but that was stewardship, by the way. Do you see the mindset, the measurements? That's a management thing. Have them sit down, not as individuals, but in groups of 50. So somebody's counting one to 50, and then they say, okay, the next group's got to start. Now the next group's got to start. It's a way of thinking. All right. Um, our vision definition of destiny. And we're only doing this because we're starting a series, right? We did a little bit of this on Sunday, um, but uh, I'm just hitting the key points that we didn't hit. Destiny, we say, is the undeniable truth that God has an amazing plan for your life, hidden inside of himself and placed in seed form inside of you. And I'm saying one of the, the ways that the seed in you emerges is through stewardship. If you don't, if you don't value the potential that God has put on your life enough to guard it and to guide it, no one else will. No, God, God will. He cares, but he can't do in heaven what he's decided for you to do on earth. It's not that God doesn't care or he, he doesn't value it, but his hands are tied because he gave you the responsibility of the gift that's inside of you. And so you have to begin um, to evaluate opportunities. All opportunities are not created equal. Is this a good benefit for me? Is that one a good opportunity for me? As you think through jobs, just because they pay you enough doesn't mean it's the right job for you. Sometimes lesser job that develops better skills or even better opportunities for you. Because it's not all about the money. It's about what, it's not just what you get, it's what you become in the process. The seed emerging is what you become in the process. Does that make sense? God is always concerned about what he gets out of you before he determines what he gets when he gets you out of a situation that's uncomfortable to you. 
All right, let's get to some pillar definitions. The first one is our pillar definition of stewardship. Stewardship, um, we, Pastor Why we call this a, steward, a pillar definition. We say that there are these, these eight pillars of our ministry, and these pillar definitions are things that have to be in function or the ministry itself falls down, just like the pillars in this room hold up this church. The pillars of our vision hold up our vision. So we say stewardship is, it is an acknowledgement. And look at these four classes or four categories of resources. We say it's the acknowledgement that the spiritual, physical, financial, and relational resources entrusted to us belong to God and must be faithfully accounted for. That's what I mean when we talk about stewardship. That there are these resources that have been entrusted to me, but they don't belong to me. One of the benefits that uh, I have for the position that I hold um, in industry is I have the privilege of driving company vehicles. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, I am quite happy about it, just so we clear. Um, but because it's not my car, I can't do with it whatever I want to. As long as I acknowledge that that car doesn't belong to me and I'm willing to live within the rules of its true owner, I get the access to it like it's mine. Now, when I'm driving down the road, you can't look at my car and say that car don't belong to him. I'm driving large and in charge. Thank you, General. Much love. Okay. But if you pulled out the title, it'll have the name of a trust that holds the titles to the physical property of those vehicles. That says that it's a trust and then my position is a trustee, but it still ain't my car. I can't go to the dealership and say, I want to trade this in to get me a new one and then them give me value because it's not mine. As long as I understand that it is something that has been entrusted to me, and as long as I don't violate the trust, I keep the access. As soon as I violate the trust, then my access is in jeopardy. There are certain rules that we have about vehicles that, that we have to abide by. Can't go everywhere I want to go. Can't do everything in it. They expect me. You can't be in a car company and then you got folk in there that won't put on a seatbelt. Like they consider that a leadership issue. Like it's not just that I got a ticket and I got to pay a ticket. They, they, they watching. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Were you driving unsafe in my company car? Uh-oh, you in trouble. You can lose access because you haven't been a good steward. I'm entrusted something, and when I'm unfaithful to the one that entrusted it to me, 
if I haven't accounted for it and done it the way they want to, then I'm in trouble. Come here, Adam. Adam, you can have all these trees, every tree in here you can eat of. There's just one of these by company policy you can't eat from. Now, the rest of these, you got to tend to it. You got to garden it. You got to cultivate it. You got to weed it. There wasn't weeds yet. You got to do all of the things to make it grow. Like you got to do the rest of them, but that one you can't eat. Now, right next to the one you can't eat was one that had your promotion in it because you could have eaten of the tree of life. He didn't tell you you couldn't eat from the tree of life. He just told you you couldn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's right next to it. The Bible says they were right next to one another. One was a tree that was going to take him down. The other one was a tree that would have took him up. And one he couldn't eat, the other one he could eat. And once he did, ate of the one that he couldn't eat, he, got, he lost access to the one he could have eaten. That's a stewardship issue. That there are these resources that God put it. See, people treat it, it's, it's my money. Hold up, hold up. This is my house. This is my life. I can do what I want to. Don't you know that you were bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God with your body. We told the men when we were teaching on sexual integrity that if you single, you don't have pleasure privileges with your penis. You only got pee privileges. That was Apostle Rita Johnson's. Yes, she said that. I didn't get that. That was not original. May she rest in heaven. But she told the brothers that Power Center Church International, if you single, you only get pee privileges with your penis. In other words, just because it's on you doesn't mean you get the right to choose what you do with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so that's a stewardship issue. Whatever you have came from God and you must account to him about how you have used it. So because Adam misused the one tree, he lost access to all the rest of the trees that was in the garden, including the tree that would have promoted him. So I want to be I want to practice being faithful in everything because I don't know in advance which might be the thing that might be my doorway to my next my next season of favor. What things has God given you? What are the spiritual resources, physical resources, financial and relationships? Like I'm spending. I was so glad that um, in between internships, I was able to spend some quality time having destiny discussion with our daughter, Ruby. And that we could sit down and have real destiny dialogue. Not just, I'm your dad, do this. She's past that point. Can't, 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 I'm not spending enough time with her to dictate everything she can do and be. I got to make sure she understands certain things so that she can make the right decisions. So I have to invest in that relationship. If I hadn't built that relationship up until now, some people, their relationships with their parents is very transactional. Just give me the money, give me the tuition, I'll just go do me. 
but I had to build that. You understand what I'm saying? So same thing as marriage, whatever kind of relationship, same thing in ministry. These people don't belong to me. They belong to God. Does that make sense? All right, let's go on to our next pillar definition. It's workmanship. Now, these other two are not things that are specific to the series, but stewardship um, allows you to, there's a creativity to your stewardship that only you can bring. And that's because you are a workmanship. Workmanship is living our lives as God's divine designs as a creative expression of our heavenly creator. Now, let me talk about this one for a minute. This is really important because sometimes what happens is we judge our expression based on what somebody else's expression is. I wish I could pray like you. I wish I could sing like you. I wish I could play the piano like you. And then we ignore the gift that God has given us that's unique, looking at somebody else's giftedness. And then we waste what we have looking at what somebody else has to the point where we lose what we could have had, wishing we had what they do have. So make sure that you are a steward over the unique thing that God has put in your hand. What's the way to maximize your own gifting? Joseph maximized his gift of being able to interpret dreams. He had his own dream. He interpreted dreams for the butcher, the, the, the butler. No, it wasn't the butler, butcher. It was the butler and the baker. I remember, uh, <laughs> I can remember uh, Bishop Keith Butler teaching on this, and he said the butler was the one that got away. <laughs> the butler was the one that got out. And uh, that's how I remember it. Okay. And so he, and he faithfully, even when he was in trouble, in prison in his own life, he still was practicing his spiritual gift. Now, sometimes we get into situations where we are in trouble and then we set our spiritual gifts on the side saying, God, I'll get back to doing ministry when you get me out of my problem. When actually you're being faithful to your ministry might be your doorway out of your problem like it was for Joseph. No, I don't sit my gift on the shelf for nobody. Ain't no problem worth me sitting my gift down. <laughs> oh, no. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. My gift going to be accessed and, and activated regardless. No, 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 no. No amount of trouble I'm going through, even when it's difficult, the word's going to go forth. I'm going to get out of my zone to the point where I stand in the zone of the anointing because this gift that God gave me, he says that I must be a steward of the manifold gift of God and be found faithful with the gift of ministry he put on my life. All right. That's a workmanship issue. So so don't make sure as you think about stewardship of your personal life that you don't sit around envying other people's gifts and then not maximizing your own. All right. And then the third pillar definition we have there is entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship says is a recognition of the power to get wealth through biblical success principles and the principle of stewardship in money. Right. I'm talking to you about money 
management, relationship management, people management. All of those things are part of entrepreneurship. You can't have the greatest product, but if you don't have people to help who will partner with you, either on the selling side or on the buying side, you ain't making much money. And so stewardship of relationship. Sometimes people have a scorched earth perspective in sales. They, like, it's better to not make all the money on the deal, leave some margin for the other person to build up some return business versus just taking everything out of the deal. Like, as we are thinking about some property sales, we, we price property to leave equity in it for the next person because I'm always believing God to give me some equity on, on my side. Why don't I sow some equity in somebody else? Nah, I want all my money out of it. See, everybody won't favor in the deal, but then they won't extend none. That's not good entrepreneurship. Because you're not, you won't build repeat business that way. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Now let's look at the next one. This next, this next um, chart I want to share with you. I want to put stewardship within a framework for maximized destiny living. This is a four part framework um, that I have. It's something that I saw um, in the life of my late Bishop. And um, it was the thing that I thought made him unique in how he dealt with his life and dealt with what I call total life prosperity and being sensitive to where he was in the plan of God that I often see people pick parts of, but I saw he was just great at managing all four. Let's look at it. So four key principles for maximized living. One is superior stewardship. Superior stewardship, which is what this series is about, is managing the manifested provision that you have received from God to its highest, best, and wisest use. This is being faithful over the least so that God can promote you to be ruler over much more than where you are right now. And this is what the series we're in is about. Okay. Now, on the other side of superior stewardship is supernatural supply. Supernatural supply is connecting with God's unlimited supply in heaven to overcome lack and limitation on the earth. All right. Now. Um, let's talk about these first two before we go on to the next ones. There are financial ministries that focus on superior stewardship. Dave Ramsey is one just off the top of my head. Financial Peace University. It talks about being a superior steward over the resources that you already have. Learning to make your money mine. Back in the day, it used to be Larry Burkett and Crown Financial Services when I started this series in the late 80s and 90s. Larry Burkett was the big dude that was like, before there was a Dave Ramsey, there was a Larry Burkett for those that, that know the name, right? 
you're under a certain age, you don't even know who I'm talking about. That's okay. But search him out. He did some great work. Great man of God. And these people talk to you about, um, you know, having a budget and having a plan and how much should you have in a reserve fund and how much should you spend in this category and how much should you spend here and how much should you have in insurance and how much should you have in an emergency fund just in case you're, you know, you lose your job and all of those kinds of things. Somebody say, man, you know what I'm talking about. On the other hand, there are great men of God that deal and have financial ministries built around supernatural supply. And those people will say, money cometh to me now. And, and listen, usually the people on the one don't even talk like the other exists. The, the Dave Ramsey's of the world, and I'm just, Dave's a great guy. You know, I know great churches that do it. I'm not against it. So this is not me player hating. I'm just saying there's a whole aspect of of the church world that deals with superior stewardship and they act almost as if the supernatural supply isn't out there. All you need to do is just save your money. What you, you don't need God to cancel your debt. You just need to pay your debt down. I'm just saying, I'm just saying those two are almost in opposition to the other. Now, the people who teach supernatural supply, though they don't teach it, all practice, if they're really good at it, superior stewardship. Now, I can tell you about one, and I made a reference to him just verbally, and he's a person, listen, listen, like all, of, all you people that are hating on folks you know, with jet planes, Pastor David has put his personal money at the four-figure level, that means over $1,000, into two plane ministries. One is Kenneth Copeland. The other one is Apostle Leroy uh, Thompson. So I'm not going to hate on people with jets. So if that bothers you, okay, you're going to do, you're gonna have to decide whether or not you want to listen to the rest of my series. I don't have one, but uh, I sold an airplane, and I got cars, all the cars I could ever want in Jesus' name. So I'm not mad at nobody. All right. Now, the people who are over here in supernatural supply teaching God's people that there is power to get wealth in the covenant, preaching what Jesus called the gospel to the poor. They, the people that really do it well practice good stewardship. Now, I didn't heard, you know, Dr. Uh, Apostle Leroy Thompson talk about, okay, we got to get this jet out of debt. And I sold toward him to help him get his jet out of debt. But we were, we were sowing to get it out of debt. If it was all supernatural supply, why wasn't the debt just miraculously gone? I'm just saying, even if you are on the side of supernatural supply, you still need to practice good stewardship. Now, the people on the the people on the supernatural supply side aren't as suspicious of the people talking about superior stewardship. But the people on the superior stewardship are very suspicious, by and large, of the people that talk supernatural supply. They can be very suspicious saying, well, ain't nothing to it. They just 
a bunch of televangelists trying to get people's money. Hold up, man. Hold up. You doing your ministry. You doing what God told you to do. Don't be hating on me because I believe like God has prospered me supernaturally. But it wasn't supernatural that I just, you know, money rained down out of heaven. But God advanced me and prospered me to where where I started from to where I am now was a supernatural progression. Listen, for me to advance my career against all of the racism and things that I faced was supernatural. And I don't care what nobody say. Now, it, it did have an aspect of stewardship that was associated with it, but it was still God supernaturally supplying me in the midst of everything that I faced. So to me, while some people talk like there's only one and not the other, it's for me, it's both and. God supernaturally multiplied the two-piece fish dinner to feed the 5,000. But then by stewardship, he said, gather up the fragments that none be lost. It wasn't one or the other. It was both. He supernaturally provided manna, but on the, on the seventh day, he provided it for two days and they had to store it up. That's stewardship. It's not one or the other. Does that make sense? So for us, we want to be people who believe God for the supernatural supply, but also practice good stewardship over the stuff he manifested already. Don't blow what you have asking God for more. That's all I'm saying. Believe him for the best. Believe him for things like go out. I believe people should dream about houses. They don't even know how God could do it for them. Jobs, they don't know how he can take them from there. I believe you should believe, be believing in the supernatural supply of God. Why? Because if you lower your expectation like Lazarus did from the blessing of God all the way down to crumbs, crumbs is all God can manifest for you. So I believe you should be in faith for the supernatural. But whatever level of manifestation you have right now, be a good steward over it the best you can. All right. Now, why is this important? Because you can sow your way into harvest and supply and then blow it through bad management. The widow who who Elisha put in the oil business. He told her, God has supernaturally supplied you with oil. Sell the oil, pay the debt, live on the rest. See, after he supernaturally supplied her, she still had to be a good steward. Do you see how both of them was working? Now, most people talk about the widow who fed the preacher first. And all these preachers saying, just feed me first, feed me first, feed me first. And I'm not against it, but that's not the only widow that's in the Bible. I'm just saying. Okay, there's more than one widow story for all you televangelists in Jesus name. Pastor, praise the Lord. Okay, go back to my list. The third is seasonal significance. This is understanding spiritually the prophetic time sensitive nature of the plan of God and knowing and doing the appropriate action on time for maximized results. To do that, you need to know what God is doing in this season. 
but you got to have a sensibility of who are the prophetic voices that you listen to to be able to understand that. Now, there is no map, you know, that can tell you that this is the time because good stewardship in a prophetic season might be to sow versus to save. Or in another season, you know, you should, every, everybody should have some savings. Do you know God is not against savings? Saving is not a sin. If he tells you he will bless your basket and your store, that assumes you have a basket that you're putting some store in. Savings is not a sin. Now, in some circles, that's, you don't have to preach about this, but in the clientele that God sends me to, I would be a poor steward of my ministry if I didn't talk about this. Now, there's other people whose cultural context, they learned all of that in home before they even got to church. So then they get mad at me about preaching this when I'm just preaching to my people like they pastor preaching to them. They just don't need that because they get that at home. So I'm not letting you talk me out of my workmanship. Okay. And so we want to understand, we want to be sensitive to the prophetic voices. You know, uh, Apostle Ivy Hilliard said back in before 2015 that we would be in an expanding season between 2015 and 2022. And then in 2023, just like Joseph had seven good years and then seven lean years, He's prophesied that seven lean years will start in 2023. I haven't forgot that. So then I want to make sure in this season that I'm making the right moves. I don't want to be somewhere in one season that I could maintain, but not making the progress I have. And then in another season, be stuck like Chuck. And can't move forward because I didn't maximize the season when the getting was good. Seasonal significance. And then the fourth one there on our list is spiritual sensitivity. This is the ability to allow the Holy Spirit to interrupt your planning and productivity to put you on a new path of performance. Sometimes God interrupts your regularly scheduled program with some suddenlies. This is knowing how to see the signals Hear the spirit of God say now and move despite what may not be to the natural person, something that's either logical or practical. But you heard God. Everybody else got to get in where they can fit in. Once you heard God, you need to have the sensitivity to move forward. If you can understand each one of those in its context, you can maximize your life regardless of what's happening around you. So in this series, we're going to talk primarily about that first one there, superior stewardship. But I just wanted you to see where it fits in a whole framework of your life. Amen. Now, let's look at Luke 16 verses 1 through 13. This is our core scripture for this series, especially verse 10. And verse 10 was on our our handout for the year 2019. This will be what we'll share and we'll end here today. He, Jesus, also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, a steward. That means the rich man had somebody who was managing the goods for that rich man, the rich man's wealth. And 
an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. A steward who was not good at his stewardship, causing the owner of those goods to experience loss and harm in his business. Verse two. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Or in the words of our president, Donald J. Trump, you're fired. <laughs> Verse three. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm only used to white collar work. I'm not used to manual labor. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. Verse four, I have resolved what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called each one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? Verse five, stop here for a second. How much do you owe my master? Hold it. You owe my master, but I got to ask you how much you owe instead of me having kept the record myself. Listen, if the bank ever called me and asked me how much I owe them, I'm going to answer zero. <laughs> Chemical bank, you call and ask me what the number is. It has, I have zeroed out the debt in Jesus' name. No, that's, he wasn't keeping track of the records. He was manager of accounts receivable, but he wasn't managing the accounts because he was keeping poor records, which was why he was wasting the goods. Whatever your job is, whatever you're supposed to know, know that about your job. Nobody else needs to be telling you your own numbers. If my boss know my numbers better than me, then he don't need me. I need to know my stuff better than anybody because in that knowledge is the power. I'm just saying. That's some good preaching, Pastor David. Okay, verse six. And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, I'm going to give you a discount. Take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Verse seven, then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So while he was still in the job, the boss gave him his two week notice. So he's began to cut deals to give him some favor so that when he left the job, people would be feeling some kind of way towards him in a positive fashion. So when he needed his next opportunity, they would bring him on the team. Look at verse eight. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt truly for the sons of this world. I, I, I referenced this scripture earlier today for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Pastor Dave, what that mean? That's next. Two weeks from now, I'm going to give you the answer to all of this. We'll break this down in detail. 
Now, verse 10 is our is one of our key verses for the year. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Stop, 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 stop. So don't tell God that if you just gave me more money, I would manage it better than the money you've already given me. Don't tell him that because now you're calling Jesus a liar. Jesus says you can demonstrate your capacity for more by showing him that capacity with how you manage what he's already given you. If what you consider you have now is the least, you can demonstrate your faithfulness with the $5 before you ask him for $5 million. Because what he's saying is, if you will blow $5, when I give you $5 million, you will blow that too. So when I read the power of this scripture, I said, God, I want to demonstrate faithfulness in the least things that you're giving me right now as 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 a demonstration that I'm ready to be faithful over much more. That's stewardship. Look at verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, talking about financial wealth, who will commit to your trust the true riches? That tells me, stop here for a second, that I can demonstrate to God by my management of money, by on how I can manage true wealth. That tells me there's another level of wealth that is non-financial. But how I handle financial wealth is an indicator to Jesus on how I can handle non-financial wealth. So if you mismanage your money, he's not going to try to give you a bunch of spiritual revelation. Because the spiritual revelation is the true wealth. If you broke, that's why he ain't talking to you. <laughs> Who passes it that hard? I don't know. That's what he said. If you can't handle money, which he considers not even the highest level of wealth, who will give to you what what he what heaven considers true wealth? You should do a study on what the Bible calls true riches. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Your spirit man in heaven is considered true wealth. If you can't handle your money, you're not going to treat your spirit right. Okay, that's just one. Look at verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? I, pastor, 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 pastor. I believe God has called me to my own ministry. Okay. While you here, on your way to your own ministry, be faithful to mine. You just want to make me a flunky. No, I don't. That's a principle. Stop misusing, stop trashing an apartment asking God to give you a house. Stop trashing something that somebody else asking God to give you that which is your own. Because Jesus says, if you've not been faithful to what's another man, who's going to give you your own? 
he's grading you on how well you can work for other people to determine whether you're ready to strike out to be an entrepreneur on your own. Look at verse 13. This is our final verse for today, and then we're done. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon by itself, by the way, if you do a study on it, is not just money by itself. It's the money system. It's the system that'll cause people to mistreat, mistreat others for the sake of money. It's, it's the almighty dollar that allow me to do you wrong and then ask for forgiveness later for finances. Okay. And so we're going to deal with this, with this passage of scripture in detail. I believe, as I've studied this scripture, that stewardship, superior stewardship, is the path to real super abundance in the kingdom of God. Being faithful over whatever he's given you now qualifies you for whatever he's called you to do later. And we'll talk about that in detail. Now, that's controversial. Some people say, Pastor, you're taking it too far. Okay. All right. Well, just watch me. <laughs> I, I haven't taken it far enough yet because I'm still working on my stewardship. But I am working on it because I know that it's true.